the path is hard. Mm. It, it takes so many years to get to that point because you don't realize you're getting there, right? It's a slow chipping away of who you are. And you lose your identity and you lose yourself because you become so engrossed in being a mom and being the homekeeper and being the wife and being the daughter and looking after the people around you. And you put yourself second, you put yourself third, you put yourself last. And it slowly starts to chip away at who you are until you wake up and you realize, gosh, how did I get here? Hey, Midlife ladies, welcome to the Dear Midlife Podcast. We're your hosts, Shelby Bybee, karaoke party queen, single mom, and an extrovert to a fault. And Trinity Greenfield, a wild-haired little girl living in a grown woman's body that's still full of sass with a sprinkle of some black girl magic. So girls, grab a glass of wine or your beverage of choice and join us for some unapologetic girl talk that will help you to remember who you are and figure out who in the hell you want to become. Let's go. Our guest today is Trisha Gutka, and she is a happiness coach. But ladies, she wasn't always happy. You know, when Trisha reached age 40, which is the age where many of us groan and moan, feeling that life is half over, Trisha sighed that she was only 40 and couldn't believe that she had so many more years of life to endure. Like so many women in midlife, Trisha had suffered her fair share of trauma over the years that included sexual abuse and even assault. And that sent her into a deep depression starting in her late 20s. She was 42 when she decided to reclaim her life. And to be honest, she says that the truth is that it took her many, many years before she even realized that she needed the help. You may know what that's like, ladies. You know, it's it's like you're going through the motions of life and you gradually lose your happiness over time without even realizing it until one day you can't even really find a, a true smile or a genuine laugh. One day, Trisha came to realize that every day brought with it a growing feeling of emptiness. She was surrounded by people, but she felt completely alone. And she knew that she had to find a way out. Thankfully, Trisha was able to overcome depression one day at a time and now helps other women tackle the challenges of depression using a system that worked for her. She provides actionable exercises and strategies that will help her clients fall in love with exactly who they are, mind and body, so that they can live happy and fulfilled lives. If you are enjoying the Dear Midlife podcast, please, please email us at dearmidlife at gmail.com and tell us what it is that you're enjoying or what you think we should do differently and leave us a review. This is the way that we can get more listeners. Thanks for your support. So without further ado, let's welcome our guest, Trisha Goodka. Hello, Dear Midlife listeners. We are so excited to have you all back today to spend some time with us and with our next guest, Trisha Goodka, who is probably one of my favorite titles I've heard so far, a happiness coach. So um, happiness coach, couldn't we all use some of that? I know as we venture into this life and this realm and this world of midlife, we all could probably stand to look around and make sure we have a happiness coach in our corner. So welcome, Trisha. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Oh gosh, we are so excited to have you. And I know we're going to dive into so much today, but Uh I just want everyone to really um, 
if you have the opportunity, folks, I'd like for you to just really sit back during this particular episode. And I want you to listen, not with just your ears, but I want you to listen with your heart. I want you to listen with your soul. I want you to listen with that quiet space inside of you that speaks to you when it's telling you that there's something that might need shifting or it's tapping you on the shoulder to say, hey, I have a little secret for you. There might be something we need to work on, girl. This might be one of those moments today. And I'd like for you to let that space inside of you have some room to breathe without judgment. Have some room Mm -hmm. to notice without judgment, without thinking that there's anything wrong, because Trisha's going to bring us through not only pieces of her story, but opportunities for you to discover if you are struggling with things like depression or things like, ah, I'm feeling this weird little empty thing. I can't quite put my finger on it. Trisha's gone through a lot of this and she put her finger on it and she's going to be able to share with you some um, tips, some ways that maybe you can help to see areas of light that might feel a little darker today than you would like them to. So be ready, have your pen, have your paper out and um, let's go ahead and jump in. So Trisha, Thank you so much. I love that you are a happiness coach, first of all, and that you've really centered your work on helping what you call mums, because she's on the other side of the pond, my friend. We got got fancy for you this week. Um, She's on the other, the fancy side of the pond. (laughs) And she really helps moms, especially those with young kids, to overcome depression and to find happiness in life and to keep that happiness in life. And so Trisha, I would love it if you could just take us a little bit back into your story and talk to us about how you got to this place where you're like, you know, I'm gonna be a happiness coach and bring people from dark into the light. How'd you get here? I, my story is a long one and it goes back a long way, but a really major point was when I was turning 40 and I know that, you know, all my friends were turning 40 around me and everyone was like, Oh my gosh, how can we already be hitting 40? And I was stuck in this place where I was just in tears and crying because for me, it wasn't how am I already turning 40? It was, Oh my gosh, am I only 40? And I just (laughs) thought to myself, I don't think, I can do this for another 40 years. I just, I cannot, I cannot do it. And it was just the most depressing thing. In fact, you know, when I think about it now, like (laughs) it brings tears to my eyes, but it was, it was just such an emotional place. And then I had, you know, my sister had a baby for her first one and my brother was getting married like a couple of years later. And you know, these are all things that ordinarily, and I was excited, don't get me wrong, but it wasn't the same level of joy. And I knew it in my heart. I could feel it in my soul. Like I should have been at this wedding and been absolutely just ecstatic because I remember, I remember like, you know, in my early twenties, I remember when I was a teenager and I would get excited and it's like this bubbling up of joy in my chest and in my stomach. And 
it was just instead it was just this void it was just empty you know it was like silence in my soul like I felt Mm. nothing and I thought oh my goodness I have to do something about this I have to because up until that point I was just thinking to myself I'll just look at the bigger picture you know like I have so much going for me I have so much going on in my life that is so good, you know, and I used to tell myself, like, I have a roof over my head. I have warm food to eat, you know, like I have clothes to wear. There are people in my life who are so amazing. Like, what do I have to be? Right. We do the martyr thing. Like it should all be good enough. Like I have basics. I should be fine. But, you know, is it? Well, yeah. And that's what I was sitting here thinking as well. It's yeah. like so hard when it sounds like you were capable of reconciling in your own brain, the goodness that was in your life. And yet right. you still felt this emptiness and this void. Right. So what then was the catalyst was, that helped you move forward? And what were some of the steps that you took from that point? Do you know, it was the real low point was, you know, I used to drop my kids to school. And I remember this was like, a number of years ago now and I used to walk up that hill back to my house after walking my kids to school and I used to tell myself that they needed me hmm. like my kids needed me my kids needed me because I didn't otherwise see a reason to be around mm-hmm. right and that's you know that's like that's rock bottom right yeah yeah and then you know a while after that like I, I remember the real turning point was I was standing in my dining room. And again, it's one of those moments, you know, like you just, there are certain times in your mind, like you just, you never forget exactly where you are. That's one of the moments, like I was standing in my dining room and no one else was home. And I was just standing there and I just thought to myself, you know what? I want to smile and I want to laugh. I want to laugh. Like I want to get my laugh back and I want my smile back. And that was it. That was the catalyst. It's such a, it's just like something snapped in my mind. And I realized I am not living like this anymore. I want to laugh and I want to laugh for real. And then all of a sudden, I wasn't looking at the external things. I wasn't looking at, I better feel better for my children so I can be a better mom, so I can be a better sister or wife, daughter. You know, my why, which was the turning point, came from inside. Yes. You know, and I think a lot of times, like when we're looking for our why, we're just looking for something so big, mm-hmm. you know, like a greater yes. purpose, something divine. And it, it doesn't have to be, you know, mine was simply, I want to laugh and I want to smile and I want to mean it. Yes, absolutely. And in those moments, that's where you find fullness of joy in those moments. Yeah. That's where you find that life has meaning. It's so interesting, Trisha, because it just reminds me of, and I don't know how long ago this was. This was probably back just this April. Mm-hmm. I had a similar experience where I was, had been looking for the big thing. And something struck me that life is not about the culmination into the big thing, but life is about stringing together moments yeah moments that connect yeah. You, moments that touch you moments where you make eye contact with someone in the street and it clicks with them and changes their day life is about 
all stringing together all of these little precious moments. And something spoke to my soul in that moment to become a collector of moments, become a collector of moments instead of one that is always going after this big thing and missing so many beautiful moments all along the way. Yeah. And choosing to laugh and choosing to smile from your soul. That is, that's a moment. Those are the types of moments. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the other interesting thing that you said, Trisha, that really struck me was that I think a lot of us look outside of ourselves for joy. (laughs) We expect, we expect our children to bring us joy. We expect our significant other to make us feel full or fulfilled. And I actually just had a conversation with a friend of mine this weekend, and she's just frustrated with um, her marital partner and you know the frustration stems from the fact that he is not making her feel special or adored and my question to her was what are you doing for yourself yes yeah you know it has to come from within and so that's a, a profound realization that you have because I think it's a hard one to conclude where you realize I am responsible for my own happiness and I need to do something differently. Absolutely. So what, what did you do from that point? I just, I started taking more responsibility and it actually, it goes straight off what you're saying. Mm. So actually I was like internally clapping while you were talking. <laughs> <laughs> it was because that's exactly it. Up until that point, I, I, I was almost, letting life happen to me yes I was letting life happen to me I was you know all these bad things were happening to me and I didn't feel like I had any control and I also didn't take any control and I think part of that is because actually I don't think it's something we're ever taught Mm. so most people find this out Mm. after they've gone through something you know or they're lucky enough to hear about it somewhere right? But it's sort of like a realization you get at some point in your adulthood, if you're lucky, right? Because we're not taught these things, but actually it was taking responsibility for me and understanding and understanding that actually, you know, if I wanted something, if I wanted to be happy, I couldn't, I couldn't rely on my husband to make me happy. It wasn't my children's responsibility to bring me happiness. It was up to me. I had to take control of my life, which means I had to take control of my emotions. I had to take control of my health, Mm. my well-being, my entire life, like 360. And it wasn't an overnight realization. You know, it was a really zigzag path because from that moment of I'm going to find my smile to getting better, it was still two years. Really? Yeah, because I didn't know how to navigate that path, right? You know, I went to therapy, but they don't give you a five-point plan, and that's what I wanted. Like, you know, here's an Excel spreadsheet. Here's what you got to do. Here's how you're going to get better. You know, but no, no, that's, right. that's just, that doesn't happen, right? Absolutely. So you have to navigate and find the bits that fit and what works. Find the bits that fit. Absolutely. I'm curious, were you actually diagnosed with clinical depression? No, no, I wasn't. I, I did actually go to my doctor, but 
because I needed, I knew I needed help. Um, but I was never diagnosed with depression. I, you know, at the point where I thought, okay, something is not right. I cannot stop crying. I'm just crying all the time and feeling this complete void inside and I feel nothing. And then I went through periods where I was just angry all the time. Mm. And then I do what we all do, which is get on Google and like research, like, why am I feeling empty? You know, what is depression? Like, what are the symptoms of depression? So, you know, I, I went through the whole gamut of like Googling and researching and reading and trying to find information. And, you know, I, I didn't know. So no, I was never clinically diagnosed with it, but I don't think we have to be. I don't think we have to be because depression is more than just a list of symptoms. Mm-hmm. You know, and I say this to people I help all the time. It's because a lot of them will come to me and say, well, you know, I don't think I have depression. I haven't been diagnosed with it. And I'll say to them, you don't have to be. You know, we don't even have to label it depression because lots of people don't want these labels. Yes, so true. And that's fine. It's just about, you know, if these things are resonating and you're feeling me, well, you know, here are some things you can do to help you feel better about that. Yeah. To make certain yeah. changes in your life. So many women have this, well, first we know there's a stigma around depression, which is hard yeah. because if you have the yeah. stigma, it's harder to deal with it. And mm-hmm. so many women of our age, as life starts shifting and you start losing pieces of who you are and who you've always been, whether it was mom or wife or, you know, PTA or, or CEO or whatever. And these things start to shift as you are moving into midlife and you start to feel emptiness and you start to feel depression. Many of those things. And I love what you said, Trisha, many of those things are not just checkboxes on a list. Ladies, yours is going to look different than mine. It's going to look different than Trisha's. And when you go to the doctor shit, nine times out of 10, they are not going to diagnose you with anything. They're going to just try to give you a pill, send you on your way, tell you to do this, send you on your way because they're a cash cow money machine. They are not really thinking about your well-being. And, and as Trisha said, you got to own it. It's a, an accountability factor that we have to take for ourselves. I have to figure out what's wrong with me because my husband can't tell me, my doctor can't tell me, nobody can tell me, but that small voice inside of me, which will then get you onto your path yeah. and figuring out the bits that work for you. Mm-hmm. And yeah. start saying that, and I'm going to try to say it in an English accent from now on, if I can <laughs> you know, figure out the, figure out the bits that work for you. My English accent is horrible. Apparently I want to come from anyhow. So, um, thinking about that and thinking about how, mm-hmm. how do you take that first step to start figuring out the bits that work for you if you can't get it from an external source? Do you know, the first step, the first step is always figuring out why you want to get better. And I know it sounds like such a crazy question because who doesn't want to feel better? No one wants to feel sad or angry or upset or no one wants to cry every weekend, you know? No one wants to feel this void inside. Like, no one wants to feel that way. So it's a crazy question to say, well, you have to figure out, like, do you want to get better? The answer is obviously yes, right? 
but it's figuring out why you want to get better because the path is hard. Hmm. It, it takes so many years to get to that point because you don't realize you're getting there, right? It's a slow chipping away. It's of who you are and you lose your identity and you lose yourself because you become so engrossed in it being a mom and being the homekeeper and being the wife and being the daughter and looking after the people around you. And you put yourself second, you put yourself third, you put yourself last. And it slowly starts to chip away at who you are until you wake up and you realize, gosh, how did I get here? Yeah. And it takes such a long time to get there. You don't realize it's happening. So the path out is hard too. And it's a long story. I know I'm saying this in a long-winded way, but it's because you need your why. Mm. And the reason is because that's your motivation. Mm. If you know why you want to get better and it's coming from inside you, then on the really hard days where you're thinking, oh my gosh, you know, I just, I cannot do this. I'm at rock bottom and I cannot get up today. Well, that's the thing you've got to have in your head and you've got to picture it and say, well, that's what I want. And it has to be compelling enough that it's going to keep you moving forward. Hmm. That's not to say you're not going to have the bad days. You're not going to have the hard days. Of course you are, right? It happens to everybody, right? Everyone has like a crap day. <laughs> but if you know why you want to get better, then you will keep on fighting for it. I love it. Mm-hmm. You'll keep so on fighting, was- but you have to find it from inside. And, you know, one is like mine was a smile. Like I wanted to find my smile. I wanted to find my laugh. But, you know, the other thing, exercise I did which if I don't know if you mind if I just kind of walk you through it oh please do to help like you know I, I didn't walk myself through this exercise to d- decide I wanted my smile back I just it kind of hit me one day but you know this other exercise I did like sometime later really clarified it for me and it was looking at and I, I just closed my eyes and I did like this visualization exercise and it was saying well where am I now, right now in my life? Like, where am I in my relationship? Where am I as a parent? Where am I with, you know, my job, my career? Where am I, like, with who I am and who I want to be? And then I closed my eyes and I said to myself, okay, well, in an ideal world, three years from now, where do I want to be and who do I want to be? Right? Absolutely. Like, no, with no limitations, right? I mean, I live in London. Um, I was in a house on a beach. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you know, we don't have a beach in London. So clearly, this is like pretty blue sky thinking. But it was doing that exercise and understanding and just going through that. And because you're using your imagination, you're kind of telling your sub, like your subconscious is telling you, actually, this is what I want. This is what I want to look like. This is what I want to feel like. These are the people I want around me. These are kind of things I want in my life. And it was going through that process, that exercise. And then I wrote it all down. And I was like, that's where I need to go. That's where I need to go. That's where I need to be. So now I need to do all the things that are going to get me there. Right. You know, and so like all the decisions I made from that point forward, it was like every decision that came my way. Well, is this moving me towards that place that I want to be? 
Mm. You you built yeah. your own compass. You yeah. built your own compass. It becomes it becomes like your north star, right? It's like yes. that's your destination. And then every decision you make in your life is is it getting me to that place? Everything, you know. And then you just say no. Like saying no is like the hardest thing ever, right? I mean, how hard is it to say no? So yeah, impossible to say no. But you learn that actually, if it's not going to get you there, don't do it. Don't take that step. Just wait and make a different decision. Yeah. And that's so powerful. And I can speak for myself that I know how hard that is for most women. So do you have any tips or tricks um, that you can offer our listeners on ways to reclaim their power? Because the way that I see it is when you are capable of weighing, is this getting me to my destination? and you are making a conscientious choice to say yes or no, that is a, a, a point in which you're reclaiming your own power. But it is hard for us women to do. So is there something Sorry. you can recommend to do to make that process easier, just the simplicity in the saying of the no? Yeah, you know, I think there's a couple of things involved there. So with the saying of the no, right? I think as women, we're so busy. Like everybody is busy these days, I know, right? But if you're a mom and you have kids and you're a woman, you are so busy because you are not just going to work and then coming home. And, you know, you can listen to lots of people and they'll say to you, well, you know, an hour before bed, you know, just take a bath. And you're like, I, I cannot because actually the hour before bed and getting like the lunch is ready for the next day or I'm getting my kids stuff packed or I'm doing the laundry, like whatever it is, you don't have that time. It doesn't stop. It doesn't stop, right? So time is such a crucial thing. Like we have, it's such a limited resource. And so when people ask us for things, the other thing is I think so many of us are such givers, right? Right. And we don't say no to that. So, but you can say no softly. Mm. You can say Thank you so much for asking, but I really can't at this time. Maybe I'll let you know when I can, right? Or thank you so much, but I really can't at the moment, right? But it's learning to put yourself first because if you don't put yourself first, and this is about taking your power back. It's about learning to put yourself first. And if you don't put yourself first, then you have nothing left to give to anybody else. And this was a really hard thing for me to grasp and to learn Mm. was that if I didn't take that five minute break or that one hour or that 20 minutes or whatever it is for me, whether it was like, you know, doing yoga or taking a walk or even just lying down and having a nap. Yes. Whatever it is. It's like, what, what is it? I call it refilling my cup. Mm. right if my cup is not full I don't have anything to give to anybody else mm-hmm. I have to keep my cup full and you know right? what that it's funny that this whole notion of saying no we feel like we owe the person we're talking to an excuse or a reason for our no and you know yeah. what we don't you don't you no. can simply say Oh, no, thank you. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm not, I'm not, and I'm not even going to say, I'm sorry, I'm not able to do that. Cause guess what girls, I'm not sorry at all. So it's. No, you're right. You're right. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. So let that go. We can let go of that guilt and, and yes, you can say it softly and you can say it with, with kindness you know, no, thank you. That's not going to work for me this week or no, mm-hmm. thank you. That's not going to work right now for me, but I don't need to tell you why. Yeah. No. And I don't need to be no. apologized for it. And so I think we just, we have to give ourselves that and allow ourselves, just like you said, take your power back, take your power back. This is your mm-hmm. life. You get it. It's yours once, once only. So don't Absolutely. give it away to everyone else. No. And, you know, also part of taking your power back is understanding like when you have depression or you're feeling these emotions and you're feeling so low, like part of it is that you just don't have any self-esteem left. Yes. Like you don't have any sense of worth. Like you don't feel like you're worth anything, right? Like your worth is tied up in being a mom, Mm -hmm. In being the person that runs all the errands and keeps everything running like clockwork in the house, you know, that makes sure the kids like, you know, PE kit is ready for the next day. Right. Like, you know, that you have the groceries in the fridge. Like your self-worth is you don't have any left. Hmm. It's gone. And that's where I was. And when you reach that point, if you don't have any self-worth left, well, you don't feel like you have anything to live for because you feel like you were pointless. And a lot of getting there is because you listen to everybody around you. You listen to everyone around you and you, you know, their words and their actions. And, you know, a couple of things here, like when people say things to you, like you can listen to it, but you don't have to let it in because, you know, I heard like, it was, I think it was Lisa Nichols. I heard that said someone else's opinion is none of your business. Yeah. <laughs> right. And it's like, it's true because they don't actually know you. What they have an opinion on is their perception of you. Sure. It's not actually you. Do you have to let that go? And it's a really hard Mm -hmm. thing to get to that point. Like, this isn't like, I'm going to say this. So tomorrow, you know, all of a sudden you can get up and be like, excellent. I'm not letting these opinions in. Strong. It's a learned behavior. It's right. hard. It's really hard to let that go. Or if someone does something and you you automatically feel like, oh my gosh, what did I do? Like, did I upset them? Did I cause this? Did I make them angry? But there's another story. There's always another story. But our minds just always constantly find the most negative ones. Right. Mm-hmm. That's what happens. That's the path we walk down. So just stop. Like, take a deep breath. You know, let your shoulders down count to five, like just breathe really deep because it will calm you down. And then just ask yourself, okay, what are the other stories here? You know, if someone's cutting me up in traffic, right? I could be like, oh my gosh, like, what are they thinking? Why are they cutting me up? How can they be such a bad driver? And like, you know, I can like my horn and like, you know, go nuts in the car and have road rage. Or I could just say, okay, well, maybe they're in a rush to get to the hospital. Yeah. Maybe something has happened. I don't know. Because actually, if they were on their way to see someone in hospital and it was a real emergency, I wouldn't be feeling any of that rage. I'd be feeling compassion and empathy. And then I'd be like, you can go. Yeah. But I don't yeah. know what that story is. 
but I automatically think they're wrong, I'm right, road rage. So just yeah, stop right. and think about what is the other story because there always is one. You don't know what it is. Don't jump to conclusions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it will give you a break. That's such a powerful message. I think my challenge is potentially the opposite challenge is that I gain, I felt like for so long, I got reward mm-hmm. in being the best mom and being the best yeah. employee and being the best spouse and doing all the right things and feeling like I had to shoulder all of the burdens of everyone around yeah. me. And I got reward. I got this positive feedback instead of the negative yeah. feedback. I'm just sitting here looking at that idea of telling ourselves stories through my own lens. Mm-hmm. And there's a story that I'm telling myself there as well, which is I am only worthy when I am all things to all people. Yeah. And that is also equally not the story. And you said it before is that if my cup is empty, I have nothing left to give to other people. And I think that really, really resonated with me. Yeah. Yeah. We live on empty too. We live on empty. We absolutely do live on empty. Like, you know, and it's, it's so detrimental to our health and, you know, and part of the whole living on empty thing is like, I don't know if you guys did it, but I, I did it. When my kids were little, it was really simple things. Like they would have lunch. I would be busy. I just ate our leftovers for lunch. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Or I would make a cup of tea and I would leave it on my kitchen counter. And then I would come back at like three o'clock in the afternoon and it's still sitting there, but it's freezing cold. You're like, my tea, I forgot all about it. Right. Oh my gosh. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, one day I am going to drink this cup of tea or this cup of coffee. <laughs> one day. You, yes. know? And you just forget because you put yourself like second or last. Yeah. And at all times right. back- to happiness. It all ties back yeah. to happiness because we're not taking time for those moments that bring us happiness in those small moments when the world is still slightly asleep at my house and on that down and quiet mode when I can go sit in my window seat curled up under a blanket and crack the window open slightly and drink my cup of tea and look out at my garden, like that is such a moment of bliss for me. And more times than not, I don't do it because I get caught up in the flow of the day that is important to everyone else except me. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this brings us right back to this idea of how do we find happiness beyond just, okay, Maybe I've been diagnosed or I'm realizing, hearing some whispers that I might be dealing with emotional struggles, or I might be suffering from depression, or I'm telling myself these stories that I don't really matter. My life doesn't really matter. You know, I'm just going through the motions and getting off of this little hamster wheel seems more tolerable than continuing for the next like in your case, Trisha, God, I have another 40 of these damn years to go. Are you kidding me? Yeah. So how then I'd like to kind of shift and start thinking about once we've moved into this realization of the state that we are in, and you can see, I even have here on my, my desk, happy looks good on you. Oh, Thank I you. love that. Right. Love that. I love happy. Like all of the That's happy. Excellent. 
And so moving from, you know what, I don't just want to not be depressed anymore. I don't just yeah, want right. to not feel like I'm going to cry every day. God damn it. I want to be happy. I wow. want to be happy. Like down yes. to my soul in the roots of my toes. Happy. Yeah. And I there. And I think a lot of moms get lost in, I mean, I, I mean, just, I love what Trinity is saying so much, but you know, it's like, okay, I have this emotional compass that's telling me something's wrong. And then I recognize it, but then I'm also I don't even know what makes me happy anymore. You know, Trinity, I've spent so much time figuring out what makes everybody else happy that I have forgotten what makes me happy? I don't even know that I'm enjoying the morning <laughs> cup of coffee in the silence because I don't even know who I am anymore. Yes. I, I yes. Years. Goldfish crackers. This is my thing. Goldfish crackers. I ate those little some of my bitches for years because my kid loved them. I don't like them. I don't even like a damn goldfish cracker. And I was like, I don't even know right. what makes us happy. So tell us the yeah. answer. Yeah, and that's there. what you have find to it? find. And when you're when you're depressed, it's really hard because you just look around and you think, well, nothing is making me happy. Nothing. Yeah. You just can't find it at all. And it starts really small, like really small, like one little thing every day, small. Mm. And it's and it's something you hear all the time. Like it's it's everywhere now. But it's, it's gratitude, mm. right? And I know it's everywhere. And you think, oh, gosh, yeah, that again, I'm sure, right? But actually, that's how I started. I got myself a journal. I kept it by my bedside table. And I had a pencil because I like writing in pencil better than pen. And I used to write in there every day. And it was really hard. And I would write down one thing that I was grateful for that day. And one thing that I was grateful for about myself. Mm. And it's let me tell you when you're starting it's hard because i could not find anything i was grateful for i have teeth <laughs> it was you know it was just like i am grateful that i love my children i am grateful that i can cook you know like i can feed my kids you know I, it was it was things like that because i couldn't find the stuff about me but the more you do it the easier it becomes and then you know if you can start with three start with three each if you can't go with one Right. Yes. But eventually, like get to at least five, five things that you're grateful for that day and five things that you're grateful for about yourself. And it can be anything, anything at all. And the grateful about stuff, Trinity, I love what you said about like sitting in, like, you know, looking at your window at your garden, because the thing I'm grateful for, what I really love, it's when the sun is shining. I live in England. So, you know, when this happens, we all go out and celebrate like, you know, the sun God has come to visit. So, you know, I love the sunshine. I love it. I love the way it feels on my skin. Yes. I love a blue sky or I love it when you get like those little dotted clouds. Mm. And that brings me so much joy just looking at the sky, mm. right? Or looking at the flowers in my garden. And so it doesn't have to be big. It's even just if you're walking along and you smell like, you know, someone has cut the grass and you get that really amazing smell, anything at all, it doesn't have to be big, you know, because it, it goes back to what you were saying right in the beginning, Trinity. It's not about waiting for the end goal, right? Like this great big thing has happened. I'm so happy now. Yeah. It's about finding all the little moments of joy 
because you've got to enjoy the journey, not the destination. Yeah. Like you want to get there, but it's no good if you haven't had fun along the way. Yeah. Right. right? And you've you got to you're... find that joy along the way. Start yeah. with like the grateful. You have to. You have you're to gonna get to the journey endpoint, and you're going to get that thing. And you're going to find yourself to be just as miserable as you were. Because I cannot tell you how many times in my life I was like, if I only made this amount of money, my life would be perfect. I would be happy. Here's the things I would do. I would blah, blah, blah. And then this, and then I'm going to hire a nutritionist and then I'm going to get skinny. And I'm going to wear Daisy Dukes and tube tops everywhere I go. And then I'm going to blah, 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 blah. Well, guess who makes that much money now? She does. I do. And um, it does nothing for you, people. It is the little things along the way. And if we yeah. stop and, and, and we're going to look up when you reach that milestone, you're going to be like, I have missed all of life waiting for this moment that sucks just as much as all of the other moments. Absolutely. And, you know, while you're doing that, even when you're writing down all the things that you're grateful for, there is still going to be, it's still going to be that the majority of your day doesn't feel good to you. Right. This isn't going to turn you around in a week, in a month, in a year. It, it's different for everybody, right? But you have to find things like try and remember back and think, you know, what used to make me happy. And, you know, I know I'm going to share a story. And I know like everybody is not a dancer. I get this, right? But even if you're dancing by yourself in your kitchen, and I do this all the time. Like, I always have music in my head. I even dance in the supermarket by myself to the music in my head. People think I'm nuts, but, you know, that's just, I dance all the time. It's your happy. People think I'm crazy, but I'm happy. It makes me happy. But if you find music that you like, and everybody loves music, right? There is some music you love. And you have to find the uplifting music. Like, don't listen to the really depressing stuff about heartbreak and sadness that is going to make you feel worse. Find a song that is really uplifting, that has a really good beat. The words are really uplifting. And get up and just dance and like close your eyes and dance. Mm. Because you don't have to look around you. You don't have to see anybody, right? But just the dancing, even if you think I'm not a dancer or I don't enjoy dancing, I don't enjoy movement, actually the endorphins in your body that will be released from dancing will make such a massive difference to your state of mind, like enormously. It's such an instant, fast pick-me-up. Like good music and dancing. Yeah, I love that. I'm a singer, much to my children's (laughs) chagrin. I mean, I can't sing. Let's just be clear about that. But I mean, I like singing and I enjoy it. And I do it everywhere in the grocery store all the time, in the middle of the restaurant when some song comes on. My kids hate it, but it's, I think what I hear you saying, Trisha, is that it's about happiness. I mean, can't really be a destination. It's an ongoing, it's an ongoing effort. And it's taking those moments and finding the thing that lights you up from the inside and doing that on a regular basis. And to Trinity's point, savoring every one of those little moments that you're dancing alone in your kitchen by yourself. Yeah, absolutely. 
right because also that way like you are creating the happiness for yourself it's like with your singing Shelby right you're creating happiness for yourself you're not relying on other people to bring it to you to give it to you and it's in your control you can have it anywhere you go Mm -hmm. right it's with you right you always have control and that's the thing like I think we all lose sight or we don't realize how much control we have over ourselves like we get to choose how we feel we get to choose our emotions and this is a really big one because when I had depression when I was sad when I was unhappy like deeply unhappy I didn't know that I could choose how I Mm -hmm. felt and even at that point I think if someone had turned around to me and said Trish you're being ridiculous you can choose how you feel stop choosing to feel depressed I would have said, ah, no, it doesn't work like that because I, I get it. You cannot just say, do you know what? I'm not going to be depressed today. Yeah. I'm done with it. No, you, you can't do that. But you can choose how you feel in terms of taking control of your life, your actions, and trying to take control of your thoughts. You know, and finding a different story is just one way to do that. Yeah. You know, and earlier I was a bit tongue in cheek about our, our medical um, system yeah. and, you know, but the truth is, is that sometimes that choice may mean that you've got to get up and if it just throw on a pair of sweats and a sweatshirt, forget the bra. And if you're in your house shoes, that's okay. And go to the doctor yeah. and, and get the prescription that's going to help you to make a different choice tomorrow that every day that prescription might help you get a little closer to being able to take more control over your own thoughts and your emotions just start to work your way there and there's no shame in it there's no shame in that game and um if that's all you can muster then go and find that help and that support and find a a happiness coach that can help you through steps of moving from depression to being happy so Trisha I'm curious how can our listeners find you if they want to begin to travel on this path of where they are today to the path of finding they're happy again well they can always email me at um Trisha, that's T-R-I-S-H-A, at blowawaytheclouds.com. Or you can always find me. I'm on Facebook. Okay. So it's Trisha.Goodka. So you can find me on Facebook. I'm on there. I'm on Instagram also, Trish Goodka, but without the A. And that's where I am. You still doing the weekly Friday email? I still have a weekly Friday email. So if you want to get a weekly Friday email from me where I give tips and advice and just little pick-me-ups for the week ahead, like the weekend and the week ahead, then just send me an email, Trisha at blowawaytheclouds.com and I'll add you to my subscribe list and you'll get emails from me. Otherwise, I do regular videos, um, just help and advice on Facebook and Instagram too. So you can find me there. And we'll put all of that, everyone, into the show notes so that you can find Trisha. I love, you know, a Friday email to keep you going is such an amazing thing. And she's available for individual coaching to support your journey from where you are today to finding your happiness. I'd like to close this out with a story. You know, in my family, we've been struggling for a a while with uh, my son had been diagnosed with an illness that has just, it's been really, really a struggle. And 
yesterday we got a different diagnosis from a different doctor and it just gave us hope. And it felt like for the first time in a long time, we had some real hope and we went out and we celebrated and he, um, his girlfriend came with us and we were driving. He just wanted to go for a drive. And so as we were driving around, I sat in the back seat and they were in the front and I rolled my window all the way down and the sun was just beaming on my face. And I love, like Trisha said, just the feel of sunshine on my skin. And I laid my head back and let the breeze just hit my face. And as we're driving down, I'm smelling things. Like I could smell rosemary bushes as we passed someone's yard. And then there was some floral scent. I didn't even know what it was. And we were somewhere else driving by an apartment building. And I was like, oh, someone is grilling some hot dogs. And those smell so good. And it was just this overwhelm of my senses between the sunshine and all of the different smells and the music that my son was playing in the car and the air hitting my face. And it was a moment that I sat back and just savored it, that this is a moment in which I can be happy no matter what ever else is happening in, in life, I can sit here and be happy in this moment. And that was the choice that I made. And it was beautiful. And it's one of my moments that I'm now collecting. I've put it in my, my moment collection pot. Um, and I will revisit that. It's one of my happy places. Mm. So thank you so much. Trisha. Thank you. I enjoyed it to have you here today. Thank you so thank much. You. Let's thank our guest today, Trisha Goodka, who is a happiness coach and left us with so many juicy tips that include, number one, know your why. Healing is a journey and knowing your why will give you the drive to persevere. Two, be responsible for your own happiness. Your significant other, your children, and others around you can't give you happiness or make you happy. You have to find it from within. Three, always look for the other story that you can tell yourself about any situation. Four, embrace the small moments. Happiness isn't a destination. It lives in the small moments that accumulate over time. And five, every day, write down one thing that you're grateful about your life and one thing that you're grateful about yourself. Thank you, Trisha. Please check the show notes for where you can find Trisha if you're interested in connecting. And don't forget to leave us a review for the Dear Midlife Podcast. Thanks for your support.